Yo, Keith, what's up? My friend Jaime Macias, what is up? It's raining, man. It's coming oh, yeah. down. How about love up there? It. Free money. That's all that rain is. <laughs> I love it. I, I wish it would rain all the time, but not in Montecito. That's funny. You sell people rain, basically, right? You just like hold you hold on to it for a couple of years, and then you sell it to them. Yeah, you know the rain comes down, uh, the vine sucks it up, puts it in the grapes. We turn it into booze. You drink it, profit. Yeah, step three, profit. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So what's going on today? What are we talking about? Um, I got a couple things to talk about actually. Uh, right. Number one. So uh, Black Panther soundtrack, Kendrick Lamar. How many times have you listened to it? Point two five times, I oh, guess. Dude. I listen. I listened to a couple of tracks, but I never. I haven't gotten through the whole thing. Is it good? It's very good. My we ha- we are listening to the uh, uh, family safe version in the car, <laughs> and then I drop and then I drop the kids off at school. I yell, "I love you!" I turn it up, put it uh-huh. on explicit version. <laughs> and it's nothing but <laughs> nothing but donuts. <laughs> that's uh, what's that's, up. That's fantastic. Oh man! All that's right, I'll give it a I'll give it a try. I got a I got some playing time coming up, so I'll I'll, I'll load up the old Spotify uh, offline mode. Yeah, we were driving up to San Francisco and put that on, and instantly my children already know the words to every single song. Oh yeah, yeah, they're in. They're in deep. Now, with without the explicit lyrics, is it still things that uh, you don't mind them incorporating into their mind space? Uh, oh, now you're you're going for the parent jugular. Because <laughs> I mean, um, it's like you can take out the bitches and hoes and fucks and shits and yeah. other words, but it's still pretty much. Hey, listen, my I don't know if my kids are white or black or what are they, but Cash Sarlos, man, he is like word for word. Throwing up the hands in the back seat. <laughs> Dad, play that one again. Play the way song. I'm like, okay, and we hit it. and and all of a sudden, I got Snoop Dogg in the back seat. That's what's it's up. Rolling. Oh, so good. <laughs> all right, some, so you there's something you the, super funny about a nine year old kid just getting down. So great. Fast forward five years to cash in high school being like dad we really should be selling these vape pens we got <laughs> we got to get that cannabis money that snoop dog money oh that would be a no <laughs> you can do that when you're 35 son go for yeah, it yeah he's not going to wait that long <laughs> my kids are hustlers man they will uh they'll figure something out we're already selling like, wine. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying man and it's the same thing, you know. I, I'm sure we've talked about it but uh I'm a big fan of MedMen. Mm-hmm. Who are are pushing uh, pushing things forward here in Southern California with their? I, I don't even know what you call them. They're they're not dispensaries. Mm-hmm. They're not head shops. They're not. It's it's a new thing. It's just like it's a wine store, but for weed. It's you know. So it's interesting to watch the the progression happening in you know, real time. Having watched my mother go through chemotherapy twice, having seen my mother go, th- my grandmother go through chemotherapy. And if this, you know, if, if cannabis can help someone, uh, feel better without having to, um, go to get a prescription and a doctor and, and possibly become addicted to something, I am, I am more than all for it. Yeah. Yep. It's the the lesser of many evils. 
I, I agree with that. And I also agree with the fact that like the cat's out of the bag, like people have been doing this. And so it's like the oh, trains yeah. left the station. Yeah. Weed has been legal way before it was illegal and for a much longer time. And as much as we've agreed as a society and a culture, like you can augment or affect your mood by taking a pill or drinking mm-hmm. a cup of coffee or mm-hmm. drinking a glass of beer or wine or whiskey or bourbon or vodka or gin or, you know, X, Y, Z like there's, yeah, it's it, the cat's out of the bag. So well, it's, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, hemp, marijuana, whatever. It's the it's the first time that yellow journalism, yellow journalism, had made something illegal, and here we are. You know, how many years later, and we still are viewing something as such. When you know, if you if you switch roles mm-hmm. and you say uh, cannabis versus alcohol, if alcohol was brand new. And people drank it and got in car accidents and hit their kids and uh, all the bad negative associations with alcohol. We're not talking about enjoying a glass of wine on the porch with your wife. We're talking about the the real hardcore aspects of it. It would never be illegal. It'd never be illegal. It would be a class one um, drug for sure. Totally right. That's my two cents. It's, it's, it's like grandfathered in, <laughs> and it's and it was illegal, right? And then it was legal, yeah. and look how big the business is now. So it's interesting to watch these periods of prohibition come and go, and it's a land grab. It's a business move, and people swoop in, and there are empires. Like how big is um, AB InBev, which is European, but also now it's just a global company, and. <clears throat> how big the AB part of that was before they even merged and like just so many different aspects and like careers and fortunes that were made, you know, at oh, some point the during, but during the prohibition and yeah. then also exponentially leapfrogged afterwards. Yeah. If you look at the Kennedy family, I mean, Kennedy family made all of their uh, fortune basically during the, the prohibition of alcohol still moving it. I mean, the gangster patriarch, uh, Adolf Coors and the Kennedy family. I mean, when there's money to be made, power follows. And we could we could talk narcos all day. <laughs> mm. Narcos. But, hey, I got a question for you. Yeah, man. You are my design friend. If if I have to uh, uh, throw a title over my friend Jaime Macias, um. I always go to design. You have you have great taste. You you design and build products that people uh, come in contact with with UI or uh, well, let's just say it. You and I met uh, about a decade ago now when Damn. you came. I know it is it is absolutely a decade, man. That's a you, good story. We got to tell that one. On the we'll next. tell that one well, in full. We, I guess we're telling it partly here, but we have to go through it more in another episode. But go ahead. Perfect. Um, well, you, you came up um, we, before we even had a tasting room. We did a tasting out in our vineyard with a bunch of your friends. And you and I stayed in contact. You And I said, hey, man, so, so what do you do? And you told me about Lensley. And Lensley um, is, more, is more than a photo booth. I mean, everybody's been to a wedding where there is an automated photo booth there. And people take a picture. But what you built was this beautiful product that you walk up, touch screen, 
would take your picture, you put your email address in, it would email it to you. It was, it was brilliant and genius. And I chased you down for four years, five years saying, dude, I need one of these. Build me one, right? Yeah. <clears throat> up to the point where finally you said, uh, okay, you're not going to give up. So uh, <laughs> I, we have one in the tasting room. It's been running for like five years now. We've, yeah, man. We just clips, what, 100,000 photos? Yeah, 105,000 photos. Unreal. You know, everybody having a good time in our place. But the thing I have seen and I appreciate about you is not only your attention to detail, but your design aesthetic. You know, when you were pushing out videos previous to YouTube and previous to, uh, you know, uh, Vimeo and everything else, you were just shooting them for yourself, but they always had this beautiful vibe to them. And, and when I, I say vibe, well, it's true. I mean, that Chicago video you did where you hung a camera. Yeah, man. That, that's still one of my favorites. I, I got to go back and finish that thought soon. <laughs> oh, when you hung the camera upside down and slowly drove through the streets of Chicago, shooting black and white, super impeccable, super clean. Um, you know, you. I always think your design aesthetic is uh, what Johnny Ive is chasing. I mean, I would like to buy your phone more than I want to buy Johnny <laughs> Ive's phone because I know yours would come out way cleaner and not built by committee. Oh, man. That's that's more praise than anyone's <laughs> worthy of, but I, I appreciate it. What's your question? So, that, was, question. that was the long preamble. What's the, what's long the question? Preamble. Well, I think people need to know that, you know? Um, so – as you know, we or I design our labels every year, right? We, we, we don't really remake anything. It all starts from this brand new place, uh, bringing photos in, typography. You know, we burn our company to the ground every year, to, you know, stylistically, and then build it from the ashes with wherever we're at. So just like where the wine that we make is a representation of that year, the bottles that we push out is a representation of that year in style, in video, right? In, mm-hmm. in photography. And what I wanted to ask you, because right now I am on the precipice of the worst part of my year, which is designing all new labels for our wine for 2019 releases. Hey, more my, wine. Oh, yeah. So my question to you mm-hmm. is how – or what is your process in starting a new project? Um, you know, they say inspiration is for rookies. You know, you you got to get out and you got to produce. Where do you start? Where do you, uh, what do you do previous to walking out on the court and, you know, playing a game? What are you doing in the locker room to prepare your mind design-wise, uh, style-wise, cleanliness of your mm-hmm. design um, to create your best work. I'm, That's so, an interesting I'm, question. I'm picking your brain here. Yeah, it's an interesting question because I think where I'm at, you know, coming up on 40, been doing this type of work now for 20 years or so. But um, <clears throat> it start, and it started with the photography, right? When I was 15, I took my first photography class and I, I haven't – really stopped shooting since then. Um, oh, that's funny, man. Cause my, my introduction to design was, um, calligraphy in sixth grade. Uh-huh. I loved yeah. it. It made words oh, beautiful. Well, so 
That's interesting. Okay, so let's go back. Let's take another step back then. When I was 13, eighth grade, I took a, a the we had like a I don't know why we had electives in my um, middle school, but there was somebody's dad who was an architect. So we could actually like take a class with him. And so that's what I did. And so he would just come by once a week and it was like a drafting class. So he was teaching me like, it was all about lettering. It was all about uh, straight lines, two point perspective, this kind of stuff. So it probably goes back to that and then the photography and it built from there. Now, did he pull you under his wing and showed you what he did or were you just there? No, not really. It well, it was just me. Okay. It was just me. They were kind of like, does anybody want to do this? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I do. There might have been one other kid, but he would just come by. And he was just kind of – it was more like, okay, this is graph paper. This is a pencil. This is your ruler, you know, and this is how you draw two-point perspective. And when you're drawing a building, this is that. But mostly what I remember, he was like, you have to be able to write clearly. And this is how an architect or a draftsman's alphabet looks and numerals look and write this 20 times, you know. That's so weird that you bring up that the uh, draftsman's uh, font, because mm -hmm. I remember seeing that when I was a young kid and and wondering why does that look the way it does? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's super specialized and it's, it's an art form in and of itself. Yeah. Okay. And Continue. Mine, I didn't mine, has gotten, mine has gotten pretty terrible actually at this point, which is sad. Too much typing, not enough writing. <laughs> but um, it, so this is a long way around it. But what I and I don't know if this is right, but I have a way of seeing. I have a type of design that has resonated with me, which is built in part on what I've done previously, in part by what inspires me and what is impressive to me that's been built externally. But there's really like these two kinds of thinking that I have at this point. Let me have and one is one is very immediate. One is like a gut reaction. And that's mostly how I judge things I see in the world. Like I'll see something and I'll be like, oh sh shit, that's that's good. And then I'm breaking it down. Why is it good? You know, Can you take a picture? Like, like always. Always. Okay. So I'm always and kind of collecting catalog. this stuff. Yeah. Where are you where are you dumping that into catalog? Two things. Um, well there's uh mostly it's just going in my camera roll. And I'm referencing it again later on if I need to. I'll go back and I'll find something and I'll favorite certain things. But I, mostly I'm just like cutting it out, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and putting it in my pocket. Okay. The, um, the other thing, what I used to do when it was online <clears throat> was I used to save everything to my found. So FFFFOUND.com for you youngins out there was a thing that came and went, but it was it was probably the best algorithmic recommendation image engine that's ever been built. And it was invite only where you mm -hmm. every person can only invite one other person. Yeah, you invited me. Oh. I had an invite yeah. from you. And somehow it it only ended up being populated, not only, um, but it was heavily populated with designers and artists and people collecting things within kind of the design spectrum. Mm -hmm. And 
it would show you recommendations that were sort of like that based on other people's collections. So if I cut out an industrial design thing, it would show my feed, but then it would also show other people's feeds who would actually cut out that thing as well. And so it became this kind of exponential hole that you could go down this rabbit hole like Instagram. But for me, it was like inspiration on top of inspiration on top of inspiration. So there's many times when I've hired you know, industrial designers or other people where they're like, what do you want this to look like? And I'll be like, oh, here, here, I can show you a world of what I want it to look like. And I would just point them at my found uh, catalog because it, 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 it encompasses what I've seen in the world that resonates with me. And it's, it's like a, you know, it's a pastiche. It's, 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 it's this collection of things that kind of overlap, but not really in, in its, its textures, its colors, its angles, its designs, its fonts, it's all this stuff. So that's the external representation, I would say, of a system that lives in my head. So when I'm approaching something new, I'm, I, the rules are new, like the rules, the constraints are new, but unfortunately there's already there's already a train and there's already momentum mentally for me for what feels like a correct design. And so I'm usually trying to affect that type of thing into whatever the problem is I'm solving. So do you think your design aesthetic was, let's, let's go back to the found thing, right? mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. you were um, physically online with an open tab creating, you know, your, what resonated with you design wise and you were saving it into like found. Yeah, I think there was like a, a Chrome extension or something. So if I saw something, I could just like right click it and, and post a found or something like that. And for that but, 10 years of found being there, your curation pushed you to your design sense, correct? No, 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 no. I feel like it's more that it's the it's the external representation or it's the identification of something in the world that already exists that resonates with what my design sense was. So it's almost like oh. by seeing what I like, you're seeing what I like to make. Got it. You know, it's, it, it, you know, like you, you it's kind of like you might be the collection of the brands that you like, or you might be the sum of the art that you like. Like there's something, it's, it's a silhouette. It's not exactly who you are, mm-hmm. but if I described your life just by what you consume what you wear, what you drive, what you do, who your family is. That's not who Keith is, but it's 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 a silhouette of who Keith is. It's your right? digital aspiration or your aspiration so, that you, sort you of. put on. Yeah. Sort of, sort of. So anyways, that's that's a long aside to say like there's there's two kinds of things. There's one which is kind of like the immediate the gut reaction. It's the same way I identify something in the world and I know that I like it which I think everybody kind of has that everybody has their own taste and knows that. And then there's the other part, which is like the slow burn when you don't know exactly what the solution is. And I used to try to rush that. I used to try to, and and there's some aspect of this you can do. You can grind on a thing. You can have late nights. You can stay up and try to solve a problem. And you will probably come up with something that's similar or related to what you would want to do. And you can execute and you'd be like, yeah, I'm happy enough with that. But what I found lately is I try to just identify what the issue is as early as possible. And I like to live with it. And a lot of times, like it might take two weeks or three weeks or four weeks or whatever. But then if I have that luxury of time, it'll pop back up in my mind. It'll be like, 
file's done, this is the answer. So and a lot of times okay. it ends up having a resonance to some of those gut reactions, but it just needed to bake longer or I needed, you know, I don't know. The sun needed to hit me in a certain way for me to have the thought like, oh, we could do that, you know. So, so, so. just to boil down a little bit of what you're saying, kind of kind of shift through the spaghetti a little bit. The So let's talk about where you're at now. I just want to recapsulate that and, and I want to – say it back to you and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, if I heard it correctly, where now you're, you're more or less bringing your problem to the forefront of your mind. Let's say you do have the luxury of time and you are wearing it like a coat and you are waiting for not the inspiration, but you're keeping it in the front of your mind so that everything you're looking through in those pair of glasses is starting to bake itself into what you're trying to design or create. Is that correct? No, no, not necessarily. It's not in the front of my mind. It's just, I'll just discuss it. I'll discuss it with you, but I'm not, you know, like we're working on some projects and we've talked about them two or three times, but we haven't pulled the trigger on much yet. And it's just kind of living there. It lives between us. It's in your mind. It's in my mind. And I'm sure at one point you'll either be like, hey, I had an idea or I'll say that. See, I always call and, that the dating phase. Like right now, mm-hmm. I'm calling a date. Like the projects we're talking about, I'm dating mm-hmm. them, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're sticking around. I'm seeing if they keep popping back up in the forefront of my mind. I mm-hmm. see holes and I'm like, oh, this could work with that. Okay, this could work with that. And then pretty soon, it kind of cobbles itself together. And then my job is to prepare it, bake it put the uh, cake in the oven, if you will, and right. then pull it back out and go, okay, this is what it is. And this is the clear mindset for what I have and where I want to go. Right. That's, yeah, that's, I don't know. So it's, that's it's interesting so though. But I, I, I'm letting, it's tough when you don't have the time to let something live, you know, to, to it, but that not everything for me, at least right now has a, I'm not wise enough or old enough or have done enough to just always be like, this is the solution as soon as I see it. Which I'm trying to be more patient about. Um, it, you know, it's it's a it's a luxury on some of these things where the, you know they're they're not necessarily to the forefront where it's like got to get this figured out so I can pay rent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's a it's an interesting thing. But how does this how does this relate to labels? Where are you at? How do you how do you make these decisions? How do you approach a new project? Well, right now it's kind of like I, I'm. I hear everything you're saying. And and right now, one of the biggest things that I, I approach our labels with or our, our new um, – the new way people will be picking up our product and bringing it home, right? I have to make a emotional connection with what is in the bottle to what's on the label to what how it got into the bottle, but also have a story that – so when they drink it, it makes sense all the way through, which is somewhat difficult. So I'll give you an example. Like we are Grenache uh, Noir, right? Grenache Noir is a, is a really great grape, but it's not a grape that everybody knows off of the grocery store shelf. But the cool part about Grenache, um, I tend to put pictures of my dad when he was like a young boy on the bottle because it's a, it is a soft, uh, lighter red. It's not going to punch you in the mouth. It's like, it's a kid, you know, that's how it tastes. But the neat part about Grenache is everybody loves it. No matter what, you try Grenache. If you're a Cab fan or Syrah fan or this fan or that fan, you're going to dig it, right? Um, so when I have to approach that, 
I have to go, okay, what was that year like? And what is the uh, visual representation of this wine that I can put on a label that people respond to and will drink? So like right now, I'm in this the part of my process that is um, everything sucks. So I'll look at a billion things. I'll look at a billion photos of our family and, uh, and nothing seems like it's hitting hard and I get frustrated. Um, I put it down and then but it always stays in the front in the top drawer. You know, it's like on the it's like sitting on the dash of my truck in my mind. And as I progress through it, the thing that always bites me and maybe this is completely wrong, but I always say, oh, I could just do it like I did last year. But the part inside of me hates that because I think like once I develop a style, I'm just, you know, uh, self plagiarizing. And I'm making it easy for myself instead of going harder in the paint and saying, you know, this needs to be radically different. But and, that's the hard thing, right? Because oh. really what you're doing is <clears throat> you're writing. You are yeah. you are pulling out of you're pulling stories out of dirt. You're pulling, you know you're pulling stories out of sweat and that's that's the tricky thing like what i've realized <clears throat> about you recently or 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 continued to is you're poetic in a way that is um very practical uh and what that means is like it's it's like fine art and commercial art you know, yeah. and, but, it, but, but trying to keep like the authenticity there. So it's like, you do have to create a framework for yourself, right? You have to create bounding lines and deadlines and what you can do and what you can't do. But then within that lane, you still have to weave something creative and beautiful and interesting. And not only a story that works for your customers, but that works for you. Yeah, because you're also the chief storyteller. So this is going to be something you're actually creating something that you're weaving into yourself. Uh, totally, and that is and, and that is going to live with you as a part of you going forward. Because every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, when people come and you're pouring wine for them, you're pouring yourself for them. You're you're gonna you know whatever this story is, and like even the way you just described that as a practical thing, like it's a young it's a young grape. And I, you know, the idea of a little boy and all this stuff, it, that framework, it's uh yeah, it's an interesting thing. I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard to reconcile. I don't think you should look at it as self plagiarizing. Mm. It's, it's just that you're digging a well and you're digging deeper and deeper into the well and you're continuing to go back to that well. It's not about self plagiarizing. It's about that is the well that you were getting the, yeah. <laughs> the, the water from. But no, it's uh, it's it's interesting. So, so that's so. Do you uh, really approach it? Even your labeling is it all one project? Is it like I have to name it? I have to label it? You're naming not children, but something akin to that. You're like giving identity to a thing. The, the best way that I can describe it is, um, you know, making wine, and and once it once it gets ready to be put into the bottle, um. You know, these, these, let's not talk about wine. Let's talk about songs, right? Let's talk about music. 
it is uh, it's giving a title to the song, right? And each individual song needs a title, but it also needs its own album artwork. And the album artwork should say something about the title, and then the song should deliver. And Mm -hmm. as I work through that process, just like you're saying, yeah, it is singer-songwriter. It is this whole process from, you know, our plow all the way to your porch. And we're not really creating a beverage. We're not even really creating a product. Um, I'm kind of putting on the, the label what we, where we were at, what we were doing at that time. But it's like when you have you, when you come in, And this is the part that always gets me really, you know, strung up. Like if you write a book, the book belongs to you until the first person reads it. And then that book belongs to them because how they view it. Like we were talking Black Panther. We were talking about a bunch of different stuff where when you start watching it, what what the public takes from that movie is more important than what you intended. Mm -hmm. And. My, my difficult part is I need to sit in the chair of my customer and say, are they going to understand what I just put through this? Are they going to see it? Are they going to identify it? And are, is it going to mean as much to them as it means to me? And that is the part that I think I, it, it, making labels is not hard. I can do click, click, point, point, dud, dud, right? right? I could farm this out to somebody and just say, hey, do it because you're a better at illustrator than I am. Um, the part for me is, is focusing on the donut and not the hole mm-hmm. and making sure that when Jaime Macias gets this bottle delivered to him, he can open it. He can watch my little video and go, yeah, okay. I get that. It's, right. it's UI, you know, every part of making a label to me is user interface. Is it clean? Mm-hmm. Is it, is it, um, pleasing? Do they understand what I'm trying to get across if I give them a little bit more information? And then when they see it, do they go, I love that bottle. I love what it represents. I love the family behind it. I love the label. And I and drinking it is the, the payoff of that anticipation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah. maybe I'm putting no, way too it. much weight on this, you know? But I'm I'm not an artist. I, I think that's the you know that's the yeah. Sounds like you are. Yeah. I mean, it, it's that's. I think that's the difference between people who care about what they're doing and people. It, it's it's a hard thing because we definitely do these things, um, to make money and to pay for our children's you know education and pay for our roofs and all those other things, but you care about it in a way that is different from just that. <clears throat> and so it's hard. It, it, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe it's not art, but that doesn't mean you're not approaching it as an artist. Cause everything you just described is about you trying to embed meaning and experience and emotion into an inanimate object that then someone else can consume part of or experience a part of. Right. Because it doesn't stop belonging to you once it starts belonging to them, but it does change. Right. It becomes bigger than just what your idea of it is. Um, so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's an interesting 
thing to put in because even going back to the musician thing, right? There's lots of musicians who will have this conversation and then they'll turn it over, like to be like, here's the 12 songs, give me some album artwork. Sure. This is how I feel about it. Now you help me represent that in, in a, in a physical or uh, uh, an image based form so that I have a cover and a 12 inch and, you know, bus benches and billboards and all those other things. But you are building the product and you're building its body as well that, that lives around it and precedes it before people even drink it. You know, the, the only thing I can say is I know it's done when, you know, it, it makes me tear up. Like if I look at it and go, Mm. uh, this is, and to a certain extent, and this is me definitely writing some backstory to it, but go to Steve Jobs, right? Like I like Steve Jobs. I like, I read his books. I got all his stuff. I, I know a few people who know him um, or knew him. The part that I identify with to a certain extent with him is, and part that I like about you is I get the feeling that if it looked like he did it or their team did it or... For me, if it looks like I did it, then it's not good. It has to look so good that when I don't look at it for three days and I come back and I like it and I go, how did I, how did mm. I do that? Because the me, Keith Sarlos can't do that. He, he can't do anything that I, I know what you mean. Yeah. There's a, when it's funny. Cause that goes back to what I was saying. You strive for something that looks so good that you can have that gut reaction to it. Yeah. That you look at and you're like, yeah, that's good. And that's hard to do when your hand is on the clay. Yeah. Um, unless you unless you have an ego. So I guess there's some people who have an ego who are just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm painting the best picture of all time. <laughs> right. You know, I don't have that ego. So I, I definitely I, I feel you. It's like. But there are certain things that once you accomplish them, once you achieve them, once you get them to that place, you're like, oh, that is what it should be and it's found it's like it's found the form that it should have and that is correct and that is a thing that should exist so yeah no it's interesting it's always super hard and you know that's why i wanted to tap you because it's like as i go through this process the the end result needs to be better than if keith sarlos did it you know and that's always a tough thing to not only see- the prestige, my friend, the prestige, that is the magic that is, trick. You know, you know what? It's so weird. You bring that up. But that's the thing. Right. And, and, yeah. and I think that's the, the part about people I, I really, I always identify with, or I really care about is the people I re- usually like very much or love are, are not people, not easy people to love. They're rarely, rarely easy people to love. But the part about them that I like or that I I see in them is the people that think less of themselves than what they want to create. They want to create things that are better than them. And mm-hmm. I think that's a that puts you in a tough place for ballast, you know, keeping your life balanced a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah. and, and I think that's that's why we lose, like if you talk about, you know like great music acts that die at 26, it always seems like, Oh, now I'm famous, but I'm, I don't think I'm deserving of this fame or, um, the stuff I'm making is loved by people more than, more than someone that should be loved by those people. You know, I, that's a weird way mm-hmm. to put it, but 
that's that burnout or fade away kind of vibe. Um, right. But I'm always interested in, in seeing, and it's always interesting to me that the greatest artists rarely, rarely love their work. I mean, it sounds dumb, but I, I love it up until the point that it, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'll leave it for a bit. I'll love it. I'll look back at it again once it's on a label and I'm already on to the next. And then it takes right. about three years and I'll look back at that and go, dude, how did I fall off so hard? Cause that is so good. Really? Oh yeah. That's funny. Like I have a different thing. Like I have, well, I guess there's, there was a period of time where anything that was <clears throat> more than like tw- two years old. And I'm not, I mean, I guess this, this is a rolling backwards looking thing, but like, it's terrible to me. And I used to think it was good. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, more on the design side and like, yeah, graphic design stuff, stuff from the 2000s and even the early 2010s and stuff. And I thought I was good. And, you know, when I was making money and my clients were happy and all that stuff, but it's just so funny to look back at it and be like, oh, but, you know, that, that graphic stuff moves and changes in a different thing. I think that's why it, it's very interesting to look at, like the things that stay strong, stay strong, like, and they'll have decades long and, and even centuries long running um, aesthetics that make sense. But there's this other current that is very much fashion that comes and goes, you know, over a period of a year or 18 months or whatever, maybe. So that's, it's, it's interesting it's to interesting watch. you bring that up because fashion is not what I'm going for, you know? And I think right. with you're going deeper yeah. than that. You're going deeper than I, that. Like my my whole goal, like with everything we do, is it can look cool now, uh, but I do want it to play. If it's sitting in your in your you know fridge or or somewhere hiding, right. that and and my wife is much better at than than I because I'll show her a bunch of stuff, and her design eye is better than mine, and she'll go, "That's contrived." And I go, really? And I get real upset. You know, it's, it's almost, it's <laughs> yeah. almost cost, you know, me and her like fight like she, crazy about this. Well, it's like, she, she's literally picking on you. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like she insulted you. She's like, even though you're trying to be removed and like, you're talking about the thing, it's like, no, no, you're kind of talking yeah, about me. But <laughs> it's, it's like, ugh. she's like, you're fat and you smell funny and you look weird too. And you're mom totally. this. It's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. I know. But, <laughs> but the thing I, I, I appreciate about her is she goes, you, you know, you ran out of the back of the end zone on that kind of a thing <laughs> where she's like, it didn't, yeah. it didn't have to be all the way like that. It couldn't be. If you bring it back just a little bit, then all of a sudden it'll have, well, um, well, that's what you need. And that's what oh, you yeah. need to. I say that like, that's how, that's how it feels, but you need to hear it. And that's totally. where it's like, you know, you need, uh, it's, it's one of the things in art school, we used to have critiques, right. And crit is like that. It's, you know, it's, but it's not about the artist. It's about the art, but still oh, it burns. it's funny. You, you need that circle of people who can tell you that that makes you stronger. That makes the work stronger, but it still hurts. And you still have to build up because when you think you've got it right and you've poured yourself into it, you start to be like, yeah, totally yeah, I got this. It. And then somebody comes somebody comes in and they're like, uh, that's just the Coca-Cola logo and it says Sarlos and Sons. And you're like, no, no it's not. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yeah, 
No, I think it's it's funny. We're going for something. I think this is where our shared aesthetic and why we appreciate each other. It's like you're going for something that could be 50 years old or could be from 50 years in the future. Yeah. Right. It's like that just makes sense. Yep. Right. It, it has to. And that's what I think a lot of what I'm trying to say is like, I think you, I, I, I really think the aesthetics hit, have to make I sense. I think you hit, man, that, I think you just, you put a golden nail in that where you said it, it won't, you build things, say it again. You want to build things that look beautiful <laughs> 50 years ago. Well, just I don't know if beautiful is the word I would what's use. The, but yeah, you want to build something. You want to build something that when people see yep. it, it feels like it could have always been there and it feels like it can always be there, right? Like that's what I'm going for. When I build when I build a fixture, you should be like, I haven't seen that before, but if you told me that was from the 80s, cool. And also, if I looked at it in 15 years, it would still look good. You know, or 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 the seventies or the sixties, like it just it just should make sense. And there's there's a proportion, there's a weight, there's a presence, there's a treatment of materials, there's there's some aspects of like utility that come into that. But all of that stuff, like like beauty is the result of that equation. I've always loved the I think. I've, I've always loved the term inevitable. When you design mm-hmm. something <laughs> It's inevitable. inevitable yeah. That's a design good design that that should yeah. be. And that's what I, and that's so this comes back to the beginning, right? I think that's what we're looking for. And the inevitable is not always immediate. And that's why I think there's the patience that you have to have sometimes and if you're lucky some portion of the inevitable will present itself to you. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and you'll see it you know, it'll be like, ah, there it is. And then it's your job to execute that. And that's where it comes back to being art to, uh, to some degree, because we're talking about imaginary things and spaces and turning them into tangible things that we can share with others. I've always loved the term. And I got to go. <laughs> I'll leave you with this. I've always loved the term that beautiful things are out there waiting to be discovered. And that's, I always see that with your products that you make that I went, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly how it should be. It's inevitable. And I guess that's the thing I always try to strive for because as, as hard as it takes to get up to that point, like the guy who is, you know, writing the name in calligraphy with the Lotus flower, you know, for a hundred years until he finally gets the one, right. And then then he dies. (laughs) Um, I think when you care about what you're doing and you're striving for something, it's always amazing how how frustrating it is to get to the point, and then once you have the point, the inevitability almost builds itself. Yeah, yeah, and you can you know if you're if you're well tuned in, you can follow mm-hmm. it, and you know when you stray away from it, and you know when you're coming closer yeah. to it. This yeah. was a good one, right on. All right, man, I'm gonna uh, jump on a plane tomorrow and go to Amsterdam and uh, go to Iceland and see what kind of inevitable stuff they have over there. And, You're gonna go uh, see my people in the I'll Netherlands. Go. Yeah, oh, man. man, the nicest people in the world. I'll send a note ahead, <laughs> letting them know you're coming. Yeah, I'll be I'll be all around those parts looking for double A's and double O's. They'll so. be putting out a bicycle for you. <laughs> right, right on, my right. man. You have a good Bye. day. Take care. Stay dry.